Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to the Promised Land, a show all about Manchester United and part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined as ever by Rob Blanchett. Fresh off England's second game in the international break, Rob. A performance to remember for Harry Maguire. Uh, a goal for Luke Shaw, a mixed spell for Man United's players. Um, although, was Luke Shaw any good? I, I, I mean, Rob, I'll be completely <laughs> honest with you. I didn't watch the game. It's international break. How were you doing first off? And were you impressed with what you saw from United's lot? Well, first of all, I'm really glad international break is over. Three lines on my shirt watching Man United's reserves. Very, very interesting. Um, but no, like I think Luke Shaw scored his goal, didn't he? And I was pleased for him. He needed that. Did he play very well? Did Maguire play very well? I'm not so sure. I think we actually saw with Harry Maguire the exact reasons why he's not playing for Man United. Yeah, we'll talk a little bit about uh, Luke Shaw and Harry Maguire at the start of today's show. Uh, We'll also be talking about long-term goalkeeping options because I'm not sure if you've seen over the last few days. uh, Suggestions that David De Gea and his contract might not get renewed. He's out of contract in 2023 on a massive wage. I think he's one of United's highest earning players. And that is kind of a problem because it means you can't really drop him because he's, you know, earning 3.75 a week or, or whatever. Um, but it seems like a natural conclusion could be coming up. Then it begs the question, who do you replace him with? Jan Oblak, Jordan Pickford. Rob's going to, Rob's going to go off on one when we talk about oh. later on. Uh, anybody else? Are there any other options? Let us know if you have this amazing goalkeeping option, 22, 23 years old, who can just sit between United sticks for 15 years. If there is one, let us know. We'll also talk Tammy Abraham speculation here and there. It kind of pops up every now and again. And we'll reflect a little bit on the international break and mainly talk about Diogo Dalla, who scored twice for Portugal recently. Uh, my right back, etc., etc. <laughs> Head over to um, our YouTube channel, The Promised Land Podcast um, and subscribe, like this video, drop a comment as well. And you can also uh, subscribe on audio platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, etc. We drop the show twice a week on Tuesdays and Fridays. And follow us on Twitter at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B, and at Promise and MU for the show as well. Rob, let's start with Harry. Not Harry Kane, Harry Maguire. Uh, it put... I mean, I don't want to say poor Harry Maguire because he really does bring it on himself. There were some comments that I don't actually have to hand that he said after England's first game in this break. And I was like, mate, just stop it. And then, you know, he played against Germany, gave away a penalty, was culpable for the second goal as well. Just didn't cover himself in glory. Uh, he's not getting back in the United team anytime soon, is he? Unless there's a, an injury. No, his comments were, I think, before the first game was, oh, well, you know, before the the last tournament, I didn't I didn't play at all for like eight weeks. And then I got in the, te- the team of the, the yes, tournament. That's, that's so it, so it. no problems here. Well, Harry, we're doing a Man United podcast. We're talking about Manchester United. There's some problems here. And I think you could see it. So I think in the two games, 
you can see Southgate has got faith in in Maguire and also Luke Shaw. That's not a surprise. I think that the Southgate project will be in the the kind of guise of how Southgate views a football team. I think when you look at Harry Maguire, you could see in these two games exactly why Eric Ten Hag is not picking him and why Eric Ten Hag probably will not pick him moving forward. Too slow, does not react properly with the, uh, on or off the ball, doesn't look after the space at all. You saw with the third with the with the third Germany goal last night, Kai Havertz gets the ball in the edge of the box. Harry's had a chug because he lost it 80 yards up the pitch, doesn't close the player down, doesn't help in that situation. Germany get your equaliser. They're the kind of goals, Scott, we've seen at Man United for the last two or three years, aren't they? So I think that this is the issue. Is that, And this is not, again, it's not rocket science. It's not like, can Harry Maguire get better? This is just what Harry Maguire is. This is his skill set. So I think we've seen that now. He might go to the World Cup and be brilliant. He really might, because I think Southgate will play him. But will he get in this Man United team now? Like, we've just got to keep these fingers crossed that our two centre-backs who are starting at the moment stay fit because I think that is the key to absolutely everything. And I think if Harry Maguire is your starting centre-back, I don't think May United will have dreams of the top four anytime soon. Yeah. Um, part of me, like I say, and I've said it a few times, feels for Harry Maguire, but also then part of me is also like, well, he's had every chance you can possibly imagine. And Luke Shaw... Um, it, it seems like they come as a bit of a package deal. We will talk about Luke Shaw in a bit, but I just did want to bring what he said after the match into play here. So I'm quoting, I think he said this to the BBC. I'll be honest, it's a tough period at the moment. Of course, Harry is an amazing player and an amazing character. He's taken a lot of stick, probably more than I've ever seen before in football, but he never hides away. He's always there. You can have people that hide away and not want to be in the spotlight, but he keeps putting himself in the spotlight and it shows his strength and character he's got because come on, everyone knows he's an unbelievable player. At the moment, confidence might not be there because it might feel like the whole world is against him. It's tough for him, but as players and staff, we're all behind him because he's a very important player and it shows Gareth's trust that he's played in both games. Look at the Euros and what he's done. People need to understand he's a big part of the England team and they have to accept it. Let's take the C word there, confidence. I think right. you're going to say the, the come on bit was the one that got no, me. No, 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 there's a few C words, but let's say, let's take the C word confidence because football is about confidence. But then there's a part where you park the confidence and you look at all the other stuff. And it's quite often technically the other stuff that's the issue. Like I just said there, he will play for England. I think England have got many choices at centre-back and that's part of the problem. That's why Maguire stays in the squad. Because let's be honest, if you were just picked on merit, and you're not playing for your club, should you really be playing for a country as big as England? So that's a big question, isn't it? But there's reasons for that. But I don't know. I think Luke Shaw's backing his mate there. Kind of, I'm not surprised by those comments. Um, it's kind of faux confidence, isn't it, to come out and say, well, you know, he's one of the best, isn't he? It's like, well, we watch him and he's not. Like, he's not one of the best at Man United. I do think the big thing with Harry Maguire, and it will always be there, won't it, is that in 10... 15, 20 years' time, we'll still be going, Harry Maguire came to Man United for a world record fee. That will still be said long after Harry Maguire is no longer a footballer. So I think that that still weighs on him. Like, we're still trying to see, can you get that player, the world record defender? No, he's now going to be the wrong side of 30. He's pushing towards the back end of his career. 
And I think this slow defender who was slow at 26 is starting to look slower. That's a he's problem. 29, by the way. We had a conversation off, off, off here. He's not but yet 30. He's 29, but it's getting there. Tick tock. You know what I mean? It's not going to be long until we're saying, Harry Maguire's 31 and on 300 grand a week at Man United. What do you do with Harry Maguire? It's like, probably sort that out now, right? You know, in these next transfer windows. So I don't see anytime soon Harry Maguire getting back in the Man United team unless there's some catastrophic injury crisis. And it's to do with him. Like you said, you feel sorry for him. I just do not. He's just not good enough. And I think in football, when you get to that crossroads, you go, right, we're giving him chances, being in the team nonstop for two, three years. He's not the worst centre-back in the world. But is he worth the money you paid for him? Absolutely not. Can you recoup something for him? Probably, because he's still got a little bit of this English mystique in the Premier League. I could see him going back to a Leicester or somewhere, or, or one of those kind of teams who are aspiring to go. Aston Villa, you know, quite a lot of money. Let's go get Harry Maguire. Newcastle, you know, let's, do you know what? 40 million pounds for Harry Maguire. Let's do it. Bite your hand off for that. Absolutely bite your hand off for it. And I think that's the way this will go because I don't don't see him ever anytime soon getting quicker. He's not ever going to get quicker. So you need defenders that have got speed and have got technical ability at the back. Varane can do it. Martinez can do it. I don't care if Martinez was three foot one. It does not matter. He's a better defender than Harry Maguire. And that's the way you go. You've got those two defenders now. So I wouldn't be surprised that you're actually getting another centre-back maybe next summer. And then you're moving this centre back and his uh, his best mate Barry Chuckle, you know Victor Lindelof, out at the same time with the Chuckle brothers, and that will be the end of them. Because I don't think you the can new go Chuckle and... brothers. He used to be Smalling and Jones. Well, yeah, I think it just it, with Man United it goes generation to generation, doesn't it? It's like you have got two defenders there, and now these are the two Chuckle brothers. It's like, can we get away? from the football chuckle brothers and actually have some quality, please. Let's do that. So I think for Maguire and Lindelof, both have similar issues. I think, you know, in terms of being the kind of players that they are. And I do think that their times as starters, it's over. Well, fingers crossed. I mean, Rafa Varane what, did not feature in France's... Well, he didn't feature from the start anyway. I'm not sure whether he did come on, but I think he's okay um, ahead of the Manchester derby touch. Yes, yeah. he should return to United training in the coming days, uh, having not played in that second game, a defeat to Denmark. And I think they missed him as well from what I've seen. Um, Lissandra Martinez and Argentina, I think, play tonight, I believe. Mm-hmm. Possibly. I, I can't remember who they're playing. But fingers crossed, they both come through unscathed. Yeah. And we haven't talked about it yet, Rob. Maybe we'll talk about it more on Friday. There's a Manchester derby coming on Sunday, which is a, a big test. United have had a few big tests so far this season. This is a... Yeah. The first big test they've had when we've actually felt like they've been playing quite well <laughs> uh, for a sustained spell of time. Um, anyway, Luke Shaw spoken there on Harry Maguire. I, I, do they come as a bit of a package deal to you now? Because it seems like I know Maguire's not been playing very well and Shaw hasn't been playing very well either. They seem to stick up for each other. Shaw is stuck up for Maguire here. They've both been dropped by Ten Hag. They both came back in and United don't really look it. You know, they they don't look solid. Um, Do you feel like Luke Shaw could have any different luck? Or I know you've kind of said Harry Maguire is not going to get first choice again and he'll end up being sold. What of Luke Shaw? 
I think Luke Shaw still got a, a, a decent chance of being Man United's first choice left back. Like I think it was quite interesting yesterday in looking at the, the shape England are playing. When England played three at the back, Luke Shaw really does give you a good option on that left in the kind of midfield function wing back because he can do those things. So United don't obviously play three at the back. But they do obviously want wing-backs pushing forward. I think this is why Malassi was kind of brought to the football club anyway. It's why Delo's starting on the opposite side. I think with Luke Shaw, for me, Luke Shaw, when he was that best left-back in the world season, only like two years ago or whatever it was, and scoring in the Euros final for England, et cetera, et cetera, I think you kind of looked at Luke Shaw and thought, yeah, maybe he's now the player you always wanted him to be. You know, when you saw him at 18 at Southampton, this was the player that he could become. I don't know if Luke Shaw is still that same player. For me, watching him like for England again and just in the kind of cameos that he's had, there's something not quite right with Luke Shaw. I don't know what it is, but just to the eye, there's something not right in terms of his game. So if he can recover that and maybe prove to Ten Hag that that he's motivated and he can do all of the work, both on the front foot and the back foot and all of those things, then I think Luke Shaw's still got a very good chance of being a regular at Man United. But the thing is, though, Scott, in training, he's got this guy called Malassia, who's there, who's hungry, who's young, who's looking at Luke Shaw and going, I'm better than you, so I'm going to prove it, and I'm going to prove it every week. And I think the development of Malassia, if it's in, in, in tow with the decline of Luke Shaw then Luke Shaw won't get back in the team. Like you say, they did come as a package. Yeah, they come as a package on the bench. You know, that's probably going to be the way. So I don't think Maguire will ever be a starter again if people are fit. I just don't think you'd pick him. And I think with Luke Shaw, he's got to prove to Ten Hag now in the next few weeks, certainly pre-World Cup, that he's viable. And I'm not quite sure if he's quite there yet. Like, do not be surprised if he starts against City. Like, because he's had these two games. He scored a goal. He's looked okay. It's now up to whether the manager believes that he can give him a, a real function there at left back that say something that Malassia isn't doing for him at the moment. Speaking of Malassia, uh, he represented the Netherlands over the course of the international break and fell out with Louis van Gaal. <laughs> uh, you know, not 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 to the extent of a, it's it's super serious, but a bit of a disagreement about where he was playing. I think uh, I think it's Bruno Martins Indy who will not be available for the World Cup, hmm. and van Gaal has said essentially that we need to. They play a back three. Uh, we they tried Malassia left centre back. Yeah, and Malassia said I didn't agree with it at the time. Yes, that's right. After the game, we talked about that moment for a while, and then it was over. Um, I went two or three times too f- too far forward, and I think that is uh, what's he said. Oh, I feel best on the left. The the national coach thinks that I should be able to play in the cent- center of defence, but I feel best on the left. So mm. yeah, that Malassia looks first choice left back for me. Bit of a mixed bag, though, for him uh, and Diogo Dalla as well, who uh, played for Portugal the other day and scored twice uh, in... I think Bruno Fernandes also scored that day as well. Uh, so mm. it's looking okay. Bit of a mixed bag for United's defence in the in the international window. But do you want to pick up on Malassia or uh, Dalla? Yeah, that, 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 that is a Dutch thing in inverted commas because Dutch managers and Dutch coaches always think and always push that your fullback can play narrow if needed. So think daily blind. Yeah, so kind of like this is the whole thing. Daily blind can play as a midfielder or further forward and play as a, as a, as a fullback. But then obviously his career developed as a centre-back because he's technical. He can do a bit of defending. He can do that. So Malassi, when you think about it, has the raw attributes to play on the left-hand side of a back three. You know, same way Luke Shaw does. Luke Shaw's played on the left side of a back three. Are they centre-backs? 
absolutely not. But can you play the function? So I think that's more what Van Gaal was trying to do because, you know, someone like Malassi is going to be a versatile talent to you. He's not always going to be your first choice left back or left wing back. So <clears throat> I wouldn't be surprised. That's something you see at Man United in, in months and years to come, that Malassia does maybe feature in, in a back three at some point or another because he is a good defender. He tracks really well. He's got really good recovery. And that's kind of what you want in your back three. Yeah, let's move on then to... Uh... We have to do transfers and this kind of stuff. How far in? 15 minutes into the show. <laughs> you know, we're, we're in September. It's not even October yet. And we're talking transfers again because that's just the way it is. Uh, let's talk David De Gea because he's been in the news a little bit over the last few days. Mm-hmm. Um, out of contract in, what, nine months' time? Ten months' time? Yeah. End of June next summer. He's one of several United players who are out of contract. There is an option for United to trigger to extend his deal, I believe. Mm-hmm. But as we said earlier, he's on probably, I think might be the second highest wage in the team after Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, and he was given that, I remember that when United were given him that contract, it was just after the uh, Real Madrid fax machine thing happened. And he wanted to leave and join Real Madrid. It never happened. And then a few weeks later, he ended up signing a new contract because he was United's best player at the time. Had a good season last season, but obviously the questions are there about his ability with the ball at feet. We saw early in the early weeks of the season where United were losing games that the distribution with his feet wasn't fantastic. Mm-hmm. They seem to have just looked at that and gone, all right, let's, let's stop and just, let's just go a little bit longer uh, mm-hmm. from now on because De Gea didn't really seem too comfortable with it. What do United do here? Because it seems to me, and people might disagree with me, I know that there's a lot of people who want want De Gea to be long-term number one goalkeeper. It seems to me there's a natural end coming for De Gea here. Yeah, do you know, I hate it when journalists and pundits go, well, we're hearing this, you know, hand in ear like this. Well, what we're hearing about David De Gea is that he will be allowed to go and speak to clubs in January. He's allowed to do that. That's part of, obviously, the end of his contract to Manchester United. And as you said, they have got a, a year that they can trigger. And again, what we're hearing is that Manchester United will not trigger it. So that's kind of the situation United are in. And it will be a case of recruiting a goalkeeper now that can do all the things that, that Ten Hag wants United goalkeeper to do. I think the issue with De Gea, and it's what you just mentioned there, is that there's been seasons where he saved United. Like, when David De Gea leaves... He's going to go away with probably the most ever player of the year awards in his pocket. And that's going to be his legacy. I don't think his legacy should be about how can he pass the ball out from the back. But that's today, isn't it? Is that today you need now to fix that. Excuse me. And I think that this is kind of where United are. So I think David De Gea will probably sign a pre-contract agreement with someone come January. United would have to decide whether... They go for a new goalkeeper in January and try and bring someone in so they can maybe for the transition. We've still got that guy at Nottingham Forest called Dean Henderson who pays for Man United. Is there any chance of him coming back? So that's another decision to be made. But there's lots of really good sweeper keepers out there. You've got to go the route that City did with Edison, that that Liverpool did with Alisson. You've got to go for a smaller name, but someone who can help you more in the future and go that route. And I think for David De Gea, again, it will be a big hug. Many thanks, David. You know, I've, I've been a huge David De Gea fan. I went as far once, Scott, to say that David De Gea, for me, in the flesh, is the best goalkeeper I've ever seen. And I watch Peter Schmeichel play every week. 
So for me, I said that David De Gea was a better goalkeeper all round. And I still believe that to this day. I still think he's a better goalkeeper than, than a legend like Schmeichel. And I think the things for De Gea is that now his use has just run out. That's all it is, is that he, he's not a player out from the back. You look how uncomfortable he looks when the ball's at his feet. And as you said, United are now just going longer. Let's just hit the halfway line now, lads. Let's not lose the ball. Um, it happens to everyone, doesn't it? Happens to the best. De Gea will go somewhere else, you know, Scott, and be really good. He's young enough. He'll go somewhere and people will say, oh, look, he's a really good goalkeeper still. And you're like, yeah, he can still do all that stuff, but he just can't pass out from the back. And modern goalkeepers now have to be good with their feet. Yeah, suggestions that Atletico Madrid have wanted him back in the past. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Have, mm-hmm. uh, have been there, there or there or thereabouts. I'm not sure um, how solid it is at this time, but I have seen Juventus mentioned uh, in the last few days yeah. with a potential approach from. I think that would make a lot of sense, you know, because uh, Juventus is the one that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, they have Chesney in goal, and I believe it was uh, touted as an obvious upgrade, uh, which yeah. you know you could see it happening. But I think. The way that United are playing at the moment uh, and the way that Eric Ten Hag wants to play, it seems like unless there's some kind of miraculous uh, learning curve that De Gea goes on over the next few months, it just seems like this is this might be a natural end to me. I don't really know why United would end up triggering it, that extension on a deal worth close to £400,000 a week or £350,000 a week. It doesn't make much sense if you are looking to transition away from him. And it's also the evolution of the Premier League. So this is the, the I think this is the wider issue for De Gea and for United in, in many in many ways, is that the, the Premier League has has developed into this playing out from the back league. Yeah. Quick ball from the back, one, two, three into midfield. Now I'm not saying that other leagues don't do that, of course they do, but there there is a kind of slower build up in some of it. You know, there, there's a kind of an acceptance that a goalkeeper can pass the ball maybe five yards. 
when you look at someone like Edison gets the ball and he does look like a sweeper. You know, he gets the ball and he's playing 30-yard balls to feet and you're thinking, that's a different kind of game, isn't it? So I think De Gea will either go back to La Liga. Obviously, he was there when he was very, very young before he came to Man United. Or I think someone like Serie A is kind of perfect for him. And with all the ruptures going on at Juventus and them trying to rebuild parts of their team, I can see him going there. And he is an obvious upgrade on Sejny. Like Sejny's an all right goalkeeper, but David De Gea is a better goalkeeper. It's the kind of bottom dollar on that. So let's say De Gea does go then. Mm. Uh, Jan Oblak, I believe, is out of contract in 2023 as well. Mm. Suggestions are that he'd be available in January, um, but I can't really see that happening. Uh, would he be... But it, it, the shine has been taken off of his name a little bit as well over the last few months because he at one point was regarded as one of the best keepers in the world. Not sure whether he's maybe still in the conversation, but I think mm. Atletico Madrid have fallen off a little bit as well. Yeah, I think Oblak and De Gea are kind of like uh, almost like teammates the in, their, yeah. <laughs> in, in, the, in the goalkeeper union. Like they're the guys who sit on that side of the goalkeeper union and go, but don't we use our hands, lads? That's what we do, isn't it? And it's a bit like, well, yeah, of course you do. But football has changed. So, like, you know, Black, it would be, a, I think, a challenge for him to come to England and be a different type of goalkeeper while still being the best parts of himself. So he's not a bad goalkeeper, of course. He's still one of the best, you know. And I think this is the issue with De Gea, is that it's more about stylism. You know, does that work for the way you play football? Um, and I think with Oblak, you know, just said there, you know, you can't see it happening. But I would not be surprised if Man United look at Oblak and say, well, we would quite like you because you're de facto best goalkeeper in the world and our goalkeeper's going so why don't you go to Atletico Madrid David and have your little homecoming and I tell you what let's do it all straight after the World Cup um, I think that might happen at Man United if you didn't have Eric Ten Hag yeah, I, don't think Eric, I don't think Eric Ten Hag looks at that and goes ah but I would not be surprised the Man United board look at that and go hey Eric this guy's really good and he goes no it's the same problem isn't it mate different day same problem so I think you're going to go and get a goalkeeper out there. There's plenty of really good sweeper keepers that have come through in the last two or three years. And it's going to be a name that's not a superstar. There's not going to be one of these, you know, goalkeepers that have already done it. It's someone who will come to Man United to actually prove that they're worthy enough to being at a huge football club. Yeah, Ten Hag is, uh, you know, his the signings that he pushed for in the summer at this, at this point, I, I do stress that it's at this point, we're only looking at four Premier League games, really. Mm. But mm. they have actually shown that they can be of benefit to United. So he strengthened his hand, in a sense, in yeah. the signings that he's looked to bring in. Malassia, for example, Ericsson, for example, Lisandro Martinez is another one. And you don't want a goalkeeper on 350 grand a week. So like, if you let De Gea go and you bring in Oblak, Oblak's going to be on that, isn't he? He's going to be on 350 grand a week. He might even be on 400 grand a week. Might be the highest paid goalkeeper in the world. So you're, you're looking for a goalkeeper... That I'm not saying he's completely young and fresh, but someone who maybe will be on a hundred grand a week, still a lot of money, a hundred grand a week, and and has something to prove, as you just said, they're like those players that you've brought in, who've all come in for big numbers, but maybe are not the biggest wage earners in the world. And I think that's the way to do it. A goalkeeper that's going to come in and prove themselves, like Ralph Ranick preached, first contract, first big contract, come to Man United, prove that you can do the job. There's plenty of goalkeepers out there who fit into that category. Jordan Pickford? Not Jordan Pickford. Not Jordan Pickford. I'm shouting. Yes, you can hear me on my microphone. My microphone is here. I'm literally shouting at it. Jordan Pickford. Let's do a little Jordan Pickford rant. You look and look at Jordan Pickford last year, and obviously he's at Everton, and he's still at Everton. 
the issues with Everton's back four and Everton losing games are not really about Jordan Pickford being good or bad. But when you look at Jordan Pickford's metrics, they are awful. They're horrible. Yes, he can play out from the back. And I just said that goalkeepers are supposed to use their hands. He's not very good with his. So that would be a problem for me. I think if you went and got someone like Jordan Pickford, that isn't a natural jump for me from Everton to Man United. When you look at what Jordan Pickford is, for me, Dean Henderson's a better goalkeeper. And if you were going down that route, don't bother spending money on someone like Jordan Pickford. Go for Henderson or go for someone completely unknown from another league who actually fits the MO that you need in goal. Well, Jordan Pickford is England's number one, Rob. Please don't let it be Jordan Pickford. Oh, my God. You know, this, this is the thing, isn't it? Like, I, I'm not against players individually normally, but Jordan Pickford is not good enough for Manchester United. I don't, I don't think Ten Hag would allow, allow that to happen, to be you honest. I think not. this is probably a... You know, I, I, I think that, from word I've heard anyway, that there's people within the club who would like to keep David De Gea because he's David De Gea mm. and he's, uh, you know, he's this and that to Man United. Ten Hag comes in and he's he's got a completely different way of thinking, way of targeting mm. players. And I think this is probably in that same boat, I would think. Yeah. You know, uh, he's and also like said... As well. he, like you just said about Maguire, feeling sorry for Maguire. And it's a similar situation. Like you bought Maguire, world rocket defender, you want to keep him, you'd like it all to work. Of course you want all those things. But it's like De Gea, I just called him the best goalkeeper I've ever seen at Man United. I'd still get rid of him. It's just what it is, isn't it? It's just where you are in that moment of time. Yes, indeed. We'll see, Rob, because I think this is a this one's going to run for a good few mm. months yet before we're, we're not going to really know definitively what is going to happen with David Gea for a, Robert Sanchez, a please. Robert Sanchez, isn't he going to come like. with a sixty million fee though? From he is going to come with sixty million fee. He's not going to be on three hundred and fifty grand a week. He isn't. He, 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 a step up from Brighton to Man United is a step up. You know, it's a bit like Graham Potter against Chelsea. It is a step up. So I, I look at Sanchez. It's for me more about the function as opposed to the player. It's about what does that player do for your function? Robert Sanchez is a is a kind of jack of all trades. He's not the best in the world with his feet, but he's so much better than what Man United have got and have had. And I think if you want to go for a goalkeeper, it's quite good to have a goalkeeper that's got Premier League experience. I think that is a good thing. Not Everton's goalkeeper, though. That's what I'll just the caveat there. But you've got Saar at Wolves as well, I think, who's, in, who's impressed and shown that he's so, so good at the back with his feet. And he's a shot stopper and he can do all those things as well. There's lots of options out there, Scott. You know, I think we get a bit carried away goalkeepers about, you know, who's good and who's not. Just get a goalkeeper that can do the basics and get you going from the back, play out from the back, stop you conceding goals from silly mistakes. Yeah, we, we spoke a few weeks ago, Rob, about the future transfer windows and the positions United would look to target. I think we identified uh, goalkeeper, right back, centre midfield mm. and central striker. Um, the way that Christian Eriksen settled in, the signing of Casemiro, mm. Scott McTominay's relative uh, resurgence over the last few weeks. I don't know, maybe central midfield isn't quite as urgent an option. Out of those four positions, do we put in goalkeeper and then a topic we'll come on to next centre forward as the main priorities for the summer ahead? Yeah, I, I still think that Man United didn't go for a goalkeeper this time around simply because of the contract situation with De Gea. So you've got to kind of let that run down a little bit. You can't really do a lot of it. Can't sell him on 350 grand a week. But I think the priority going forward, and we look at Man United's, I would say issues, but I think when you look at the way Man United are playing this year, what can take United to the next step? You've missed out 
on Frankie Dion as finished. Let's hope that's gone forever. Ericsson's come in, been fantastic, like you said. McTominay has picked up his quality. So there, there isn't the kind of reaching need for a central midfielder today. I do think the position that is still a little bit sketchy is centre-forward. And a lot of that is based around Ronaldo, isn't it? About whether Ronaldo plays, doesn't play. But we all know that Cristiano, it's almost time to issue him his bus pass. Old-age pensioner, he's not far away. He's going to leave Man United. I think that's just something that's not that's not up for debate anymore. You know, I think these are the end days of Cristiano Ronaldo at Old Trafford. So you've got to start looking at strikers. So United did do this earlier in the window. They were looking at strikers and this was kind of the, the, the starting process. And I think they're scouting. And I think that Man United will either in January or in the next transfer window spend quite a lot of money on centre-forward. Yeah, it depends what happens with Ronaldo because he, again, is out of contract in 2023. Yeah, But suggestions are, well, he obviously ver- tried very hard to get out of United uh, in the summer. Mm. No real takers on him. If he scores five, six goals at the World Cup and shows that he can still do it. And there's a team potentially in one of their leagues that are really struggling uh, to, you know, uh, reach their preseason expectations yeah. and play in the Champions League at the same time, that's going to appeal to Ronaldo, isn't it? So we, we could see Ronaldo leave in either January or definitely the summer. I think we can pretty much say that's effectively nailed on. But let, so the did question... we just see something? Sorry, sorry, just to jump in, because I was just, just, just to do it, because it's really important this part. You saw the other day that Alan has left Everton and gone mm-hmm. to play in Saudi Arabia. He won't be the first. Right, So I know all this Champions League malarkey around Ronaldo is still live and people say, oh, he wants to win stuff. Cristiano Ronaldo can't run anymore. He's not going to a Champions League winner. It's not happening. But he's got to cash in at the end of his career, Scott. He's got to. You look at someone like Alan. Alan's not cashing in at the end of his career. He's still got a bit of career to go. He's not exactly old. He's gone to Saudi Arabia. And I think with the World Cup now being out there in the Middle East, Ronaldo will be out there. You probably will score six goals at the World Cup because that's what he does. And then it could be a big, lucrative move because literally it's only Saudi Arabia that can pay him that half million pound a week. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a pay rise going to Saudi Arabia. And that's probably the only place you can go for that. So who do uh, United look to replace him with? We talked Victor Osimhen in the summer, not moved from Napoli. We talked Benjamin Sesco for a while, moved to Leipzig uh, for next summer. Tammy Abraham popped up now and again. He's popped up again in the last few days. So... Ivan Tony, we spoke about over the last few days and weeks as well. But Tammy Abraham, in this case, is he? I I personally think this is a bit of uh, media noise drilled up from Italy. Not sure how much there is to it, but he does make he's good age profile, has Premier League experience. I know Chelsea fans would have liked him to stay. Scored a lot of goals for Roma. Potentially does suit what United are looking for in terms of his playing style. So would he be a good fit? I think he'd be a good fit. It's interesting with Tammy Abraham that Manchester United did inquire about him in the summer. So they did inquire. They didn't take it any further, but they inquired about availability, potential, price, etc. So I think that is one on the back burner. But you talk about what kind of forward do United need? And we know that United need, really, Cavani Mark II. That's kind of what they're looking for. Someone who can run, who can give you quality, who can give you energy, who can kind of be the focal point of your attack without giving up all those other Ronaldoisms, without giving up the kind of like, well, I'm not going to close the space. I'm not going to kind of be part of that build up. I'm going to do these things. I'm going to work in the traps. I'm going to do that side with the fullbacks. You need a forward that can do that. So with Tammy Abraham, you know, Tammy Abraham's not exactly a name that excites me. 
I'll be honest about it. It wasn't when he was at Chelsea. I saw why Chelsea didn't want to want to keep him. But if Chelsea had been smart, he probably was a better development project than Lukaku than paying all that money for Lukaku. He probably would have been better off getting a different type of forward to work alongside Abraham, yeah, to be able to rotate in and out. But Chelsea threw all their kind of eggs in one basket and they let uh, Tammy Abraham go. And he's been brilliant in Italy. He really has. He's shown that he's a top-class centre-forward. So would Man United go for him? Yes, I think it would come at a price. I really do. I think, you know, because of how well he's done at Roma. Um, and he's also got something to prove, isn't he, to come back to England and show that even though he's got maybe Gareth Southgate's approval for, for the right reasons, that in the Premier League, that fans still look at him as a second-rate or second-tier type striker. That might work for Man United, someone who's got something to prove. And also a player that comes in that can do the press, really skillful, excellent finisher, will be a team player, be completely opposite Cristiano. But will he still give you 20, 25 goals a year? Potentially, yes. I think we're just waiting, both in terms of the goalkeeper and up front, for those real like next generation names to take a step forward. I mean, Definitely. like we looked at the likes of Erling Haaland. He was the obvious one mm, yeah. last year. Darwin Nunes is another example of having one really good season and elevating his price up to what Liverpool bought him for. Mm-hmm. Uh, not going well for, for him so far at Liverpool, but, you know, uh, <laughs> less said about that, the better. Be um, he'd be, I'm sure he'd be fine. But there's probably, a, over the next few months in the World Cup, there's probably a few names that are just going to start to jump out a little bit more at us because of the goal scorer and exploits mm-hmm. or how good they've been in goal. Uh, how that pans out over the course of the season. So for me, I don't really know which goalkeeper and which centre forward I'd actually like United to get at the moment, but I'd like to think that United's scouting department and Eric Ten Hag have more of an idea about that than me. So do, are there anyone that sticks, is there anyone that sticks out to you at the moment or are you just waiting to, you know, make your mind up on that? I, I think you're in a position now, and this is not me sitting on the fence, but you are in a position where the World Cup is going to be the great audition for the transfer window. So that's where we're going to be, yeah? And it's only a few few weeks away. We're not really that far away. So I don't think United or ourselves even need to kind of say, yeah, that's the guy. But there's going to be someone at the World Cup that explodes, there always is. And someone, they'll go, right, Man United's a transfer window open and you need a striker. And that guy just scores a load of goals on the biggest stage, you know, in the universe, the World Cup. So I think there's a wait and see. I think Osman, for me, is a, is a player that you could look at in the future. It depends whether you want to pay that kind of money for him. Um, but I would have been really happy with the kind of Sesco development project. I really would have been that you bring in a player like that because you know what? Man United should have got Erlen Haaland when he was on the table for 19 million and they didn't take it. Now, that wasn't that long ago. People kind of think that there's this big gap with Dortmund in the middle now. You could have gone and got him when he was a kid, you know, like Ole Gunnar Solskjaer knew him. You know, you could have got him for 19 million and Man United went, uh, 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 doesn't well, sell shirts. Let's not. No, do but this. would you have wanted him to come with? I believe that the release clause in the contract was the big thing that stopped that, that happening. Would you have wanted United to pay 19 million and then lose him for 40, 50 million to Man City? <laughs> the, the issue would have been the Raiola uh, issue. But do you know what? Contracts can be worked, Scott. You could have done something in there that would have said, like, not selling you to an English club. Could have done that. Could have put it in there. Yeah, do I want? Would I have wanted Man United to take a player with a release clause that was, say, favourable to a selling to a buying club? Absolutely not. I don't think that's something you can entertain. I do think that that's the wider picture. It's why he didn't come. But let's not say that Erling Haaland's the only player out there. That's what I'm saying. I think a Sesco development project. You could have strong armed that and gone and got him. 
Uh, who's the guy as well at, uh, at Leipzig? I forgot his name. Why have I just forgotten his name? Centre forward. Oh, and Kunku. Yeah, and Kunku. So and Kunku would be a kind of player that I look at and I go, right, someone who can play in the channel, someone who's got really great pace, someone who's got really great technique and can kind of do four or five different things for you at the top end of the pitch. So let's go and put your money in that investment. It's kind of like stocks and shares, Scott. It's like speculation, isn't it, when you buy someone like that? So go and get someone like that and develop them to the next stage. They're already really good footballers. You know, they're already really good strikers. But can they help you? A lot will depend on Martial and Rashford this year. If those two playing at centre forward, and I think they will rotate at number nine if they're fit, if they have really good seasons, then Man United might go a little bit colder on it and go, we don't need a centre forward today. So we're going to go and invest in another part of the pick. Let's go back to midfield and go and get Frankie. Frankie, come on, Frankie. Do you don't stay in Barcelona. You're on the bench there, Frankie. I know Busquets is going, but come to Man United. It's never going to happen, is it now? But you might do that. You might want to go and put your money back in a big player like that. I, I think United need to find a development project up front. And I'd be happy to do it with, with a, a player like a Sesco, who maybe people don't know, but it's got a lot of upside and a lot of talent. Let us know in the comments uh, or yeah. get in touch with us on Twitter at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob, underscore B, and at Promise on MU for the show about which strikers or goalkeepers you think are the next big thing that United should be chasing after. Rob, any final thoughts for today's show before we sign off? No, looking forward to the derby. And so we'll talk more about uh, United versus City in our in our next episode. And just really happy to get back to Premier League duty because... It's just so boring, isn't it, about the Premier League? You know, the Premier League is what fires everything. And Man United have been playing well in the Premier League and we want to see that continue. So I think we've got a big week coming ahead for all of us here working in the industry, but also just a big week for Man United fans because you finally got something exciting to look forward to. Yes, indeed. Please head over to our uh, YouTube channel and drop a sub on the channel and like this video and like every video that we've ever done to kind of get it suggested to more people. Uh, you can watch us twice a week on YouTube on Tuesdays and Fridays and also sign up on audio platforms, Apple, Spotify, Google, etc., etc. Um, And just get in touch with us on Twitter too, at underscore Scott Saunders, as I said, at underscore Rob underscore B and at Promise and MU for the show. We'll be back on Friday, everyone. Uh, hope you enjoy the rest of the international break. And then we're back right into the swing of things with the Manchester Derby on Sunday. So we'll talk about that when we next see you. Thank you very much. And we'll see you soon. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.